No, any question, anybody about anything? Very good. Where, who is the first uh, Gaudiya Vaishnava Acharya to, to write about these three, three dimensions of, of the Lord, Brahman, Paramatma, Bhagavan? I'm, I'm asking this because there's a, a book called uh, Krishna Lila Stava, which is uh, supposed to be by Sanatana Goswami. Hmm. But I'm, uh, I have, I'm not 100% sure whether it is by him or if, if it's a later book. So, and, and this doctrine comes through in this book. But I'm, I had the impression that it's from Jiva Goswami originally. Mm-hmm. What is it mentioned already before that? Mm-hmm. Well, um, certainly Jiva Goswami developed the idea considerably. He wrote two of his six Sandarbhas um, on the basis of the verse in the Bhagavatam where the three are mentioned. Vadanti tat tatvidas tatvam yad jnanam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti sabhute. This is a very important verse of Srimad Bhagavatam. We talked the other day about how uh, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam was the, was the key, the password to understanding the tattva, the siddhanta. Uh, when, I, when I mean tattva, the siddhanta, I mean that which defines our sampradaya, our lineage, how we understand the texts, the sacred texts, in a particular way. Hmm? We call the Gaudiya siddhanta. And the key to that, as I mentioned, Jiva Goswami has emphasized from Bhagavatam the, the verse with the line, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. In his Krishna Sandarbha, one of the six treaties, Satsandarbhas, all a extensive explanation of that. But And that is one of the Sandarbhas dealing with Sambandagyan, the knowledge that it constitutes a conceptual orientation to Uttam Bhakti that fosters naturally the practice of Uttam Bhakti, which, of course, uh, accrues the, the fruit, the result, the prayojan of Prem. So the three treaties of the six, um, Bhagavat Sandarbha, Paramatma Sandarbha, and Krishna Sandarbha, all dealing with Sambandha Gyan, two of them, the Paramatma Sandarbha and the Bhagavat Sandarbha, are based on this verse, Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Sabdhite. So uh, he wrote extensively, as you, as you are aware, I'm sure, of uh, on that topic. Your question seems to be whether anyone else wrote about it prior to that, to him. Of course, he's a student of Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Goswami. And um, his own Kramsandarbha commentary on Bhagavatam is very sparse uh, out of deference to uh, Sanatana Goswami's Vaishnava Toshini in most places. And and, uh, while he writes extensively in in the Sandarbhas, um, and I, I, I believe that um, that the ideas 
were, were, were born, the idea was born more in Sanatana Goswami. Although I don't, can't think offhand of anything that he's um, written in great detail about it, uh, he is the really the leader of the six Goswamis in Gaur Leela. And he, his writing is, of course, very different than Rupa Goswami's. Sanatana Goswami, he was like, he had like very good uh, common sense and very, uh, uh, he was had a very uh, good ability to understand the minds of people and hearts of people and very practical senses. He was, after all, amongst the two, Rupa and Sanatan, uh, the leader with regard to their government service also. Hmm? Uh, when they worked for the, uh, on the, for the Muslims, and uh, he was like the president uh, when, the, when, when the president wasn't there, something like that. Um, so he had very good common sense and uh, acquaintance with numerous languages and so forth and very philosophical. Rupa Goswami is not as philosophical as Sanatana Goswami. He, uh, I mean, in his writing, he, he's writing Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. It's not that really as much of a philosophical book um, as it is in explaining the, the, the philosophical underpinnings of, of Bhakti. He's explaining what it is and how to practice it and in Ujbal Nilwani, he's writing uh, another, uh, um, more along those lines with regard to Madhurasa in particular. And uh, he's writing about um, well, the Leela Grantas and so forth. And Sanatan Prabhu's books are more philosophical. Hmm? His commentary on the Bhagavatam, his Brihad Bhagavatamrita, are good uh, examples. And, and I think that Brihad Bhagavatam is considered like the first Gaudiya book. So I really think all of the ideas are there. Hmm? I can't think of a particular reference in that book, um, but the commentary on Bhagavatam of Sanatana Prabhu came before Jiva Goswami, and certainly he uh, addressed uh, that verse, um, famous verse in the Bhagavatam, that those two Sandarbhas are... Uh, arising out of. Um, when we look at Jiva Goswami's commentary on the 11th canto verses describing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and it's Jiva Goswami who's really saying this, that this is Krishna Varnam Trisakrishnam Sangopangastaparshadam Yagnaisam Kirtana Prayarya Jantihi Sumedasa he commented on these verses in a way that no one had before. Sanatana Prabhu hadn't commented on them like that either. But he does say, Jiva Goswami, in his Sarva Sambhadini, which is a commentary on his own book, Satsandarbha, uh, with regard uh, to that uh, verse, you know, that he learned these things from... He defers to Sanatana Goswami in particular, and Rupa Goswami as well, but Sanatana Goswami in particular. So I really believe that Sanat, Jiva Goswami's writing was very much, I mean, he was editor for Rupa Goswami. He commented on Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. He was really following 
them, and I don't think there's too much that he didn't learn from them, not that he wasn't an independent thinker and, and so on and so forth, but um, so I, 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 without being able to cite something in particular that Sanatana wrote, I believe that the, the concept, a very central concept to uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, developed nicely also in Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, part of Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami, um, that um, it uh, it wasn't something that Sanatana Goswami hadn't, hadn't thought about. Hmm? The idea there, of course, is that is that there are well advaigyan tattva that we are uh, non non dualists. Um, even the, the idea chintya beta beta is often attributed to Jiva Goswami, but it's there in Brihad Bhagavatamrita also hmm? of Sanatana Goswami. Um, advaigyan tattva means non dualism. So to use a kind of Contemporary language, we would be called a school of something like transrational dualistic non dualism. <laughs> transrational being a, 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 a chintya, and the, the, the advaigantava means we are non dualists, but we're qualified, we're qualifying the non dualists by saying that we're dualistic non-dualists and that that is a transrational um, reality, something like that. Um, so the verse brings that out and then it speaks of different different faces of the, of the absolute Brahman, Paramatma and, and Bhagwan. And... Um, it's it is a revolutionary actually um, the Gaudi, it's a it's a it's a major contribution theological contribution of the uh, Gaudiya Sampradaya that you don't find in Madhva Ramanuja uh, they just look at Brahman Paramatma Bhagavan they're different names for the same thing hmm? and we say they're different names for the same reality but different faces of the same reality experienced by different approaches to that same reality. Hmm? It's uh, uh, So there are different paths. It seems so common sense. There are different paths and they lead to different, they maybe have value, transcendental value in them, but they lead to different faces of the absolute, different degrees of penetration into transcendence, different... Uh, nuanced experiences of the Absolute and so forth that we call variously Brahman, Paramatma and, and, and Bhagwan. It's a very interesting and uh, new idea in the whole of uh, this, the history of, 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 of commentaries on uh, the, the, by the Vaishnavas on the sacred, sacred texts on the Vedanta, on Bhagavatam. Krishna's Kabiraj, as I mentioned, developed the idea very nicely and the, the idea of the different paths corresponding with different um, realities is, is um, emphasized by him in his argument in Chaitanya Charitamrita. 
and this is, of course, this understanding helps us to locate Krishna as the fountainhead as well. Hmm. So, yeah, uh, a very interesting concept. Brahmiti, Paramatmiti, Bhagavaniti, Shabdate. Yes. Uh, I, I read in a book of uh, Old Bilal Kapoor, uh, I go not book about Lord Chaitanya, and he wrote that this is not clear that if the, uh, these features, three 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 features of the Lord, exist only in one's realization, or they exist ontolo- ontologically. He asked. He, he he said what? Yeah, that this is not clear. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Preachers, they exist only in, in one's um, realizations. Yeah. Are they a subjective reality or and in an objective reality at the same time? Dr. Obdila Kapoor, uczeń Bhaktisiddhanta Maharaja, w swojej książce, tu wysiedzi pracy doktorskiej, no, Pałczyk, ten powiedział, że nie jest nie do końca jasne, czy te trzy cechy, czyli Paramatma, Bhagavan i Brahman istnieją jedynie w, realiz- w czyjejś realizacji, czyli ktoś postrzega prawdę absolutną jako Brahman, Paramatma i Bhagavan, czy te trzy cechy istnieją on to obiektywnie, czy istnieją tylko subiektywnie, czy obiektywnie, czy istnieją on to, on to ontologicznie, czy istnieją tylko w realizacji? Mm-hmm. It's not clear to him. <laughs> uh, he was a great scholar. <laughs> I, but um, but um, but I I uh, I would I would uh, I've written about it recently, uh, not so long ago, an article about this. It was called "Loving to uh, Existing to Love," and I posed the question: whether it is better to exist to love or to love to exist. And in the context of that, which is better? What do you think? To exist to love or to love to exist? Do you understand? Which is better? Which do you prefer? Which is preferable? Is it better to exist to love or to love to exist? Yeah. I think if you understand the question, you'll all give the same answer. It's better to to exist to love than to love to exist. Hmm? So, <laughs> so in that I... I, I Explain briefly the different paths of yoga, of gyan, yoga, and bhakti, and how they correspond with Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan realization, and and how Brahman realization more or less constitutes loving to exist, and on the other end of the spectrum, bhakti constitutes existing to love. I think I might have talked about this here before. No? Here? It's an interesting um, concept, but um, but um, basically, in Gyan Marg, the approach to the Absolute is very different than in Bhakti Marg. Hmm? It's very much based on Vivek, discrimination, and uh, um, and uh, 
knowledge corresponds with renunciation. Renunciation is part of the path rather than a result of the path, hmm? and so forth. And in, 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 in the Gyanmarg, when Bra- where Brahman is the, is the ideal hmm? to attain Brahman, hmm? um, there is... There is, there is knowledge there, and there is existence there, and there is love there. But in these three constituents, the greater emphasis is on existence. Hmm? And knowledge and love are kind of, uh, kind of a, a byproduct of that. Hmm? In bhakti, it's the opposite way, of, way around, in, in, in a sense. So in Gyanmarg, the the for example, what is what is the um, uh, what is the knowledge? The knowledge is that the knowing. I want to say the knowing is that the world of names and forms are illusory, here today and gone tomorrow. That is the knowing that informs the path. Hmm? And the loving, the ananda, the loving, is the end of taking, uh, knowing that the forms are here today and gone tomorrow. One stops grabbing after them, hmm? trying to catch them. Hmm? Um, And this results in in a secure Condition of being, hmm? eternal being. You follow? Hmm? So in Brahman, there is some ananda, there is some jnana, uh, some some chit, hmm? but the emphasis is on eternal being. So they are loving to be, loving to exist, um, and we would love to exist too in an enduring way. And if we could, arguably, if we could exist in an enduring way, we would be happier (laughs) than existing in a condition where we know it has to come to an end. Isn't that the problem? Hmm? The problem of our present existence is that if we look carefully at it, is that it doesn't endure. And if we look carefully at that, the whole thing will turn sour. Hmm? Therefore, we try to put bury people at a distance, hmm? somewhere out of the way, something like that. We we want to push death kind of out of the out of the way. It's so prominent; it, it's everywhere. Therefore, uh, the sacred texts refer to this plane as martyrloka, place of death. Hmm? We want to marginalize that somehow, push it under the under the rug so to speak. Hmm? Um, so, because if we think about it enough, the temporary nature, then uh, it, it really puts a damper on our enthusiasm to proceed and participate. So if we could solve that problem, hmm? then um, a huge a burden would be lifted. Hmm? Uh, arguably, we are trying for that. Hmm? to exist in an enduring way. And if we could, that would bring about some happiness. It would take away 
the the disappointing um, and unhappy, most prominent, uh, unhappy and disappointing feature of our existence. That that if you could find a lifestyle that you like, but then you can't keep it, it becomes even worse uh, than if you didn't like it. Because now you like something and you can't keep it. Uh, So, uh, big problem. So if we could solve that problem, arguably, we would be happy. And and this is the happiness of Brahman. Hmm? That I don't have to die. Hmm? Uh, And the knowing. After all, what can you know about Brahman? It's undifferentiated. What's there to say? You cannot know its qualities because it doesn't have any qualities. You cannot know its form because it doesn't have any form. You cannot know its movement because it doesn't move. Hmm? Uh, and the same holds true for ourselves. What can be said about ourselves? As I mentioned the other day, the Gita says, we are amazing. Us charge about it. It's amazing. What can I say? It's not this and it's not that. Not this, not that, neti, neti. Study the Gita in the beginning, second chapter. There's a description of the self. You see, it's not this, it's not, it's not fat, it's not thin, it can't be burned, it can't be drowned, it can't be blown away. It can't, it's not, uh, there's nothing we can really say much about it. We can't positively define it because generally we define things by comparing them to other things and it doesn't compare to anything in the objective world because it's a subjective reality. So what can you say about it? Hmm? Um, So to attain that is to become quiet (laughs) in a a sense and and to be still. Hmm? And that's good and that could uh, be be joyful in as much as our present movement is movement out of discomfort, hmm? and the movement doesn't necessarily bring us comfort or or the security that we're looking for. Hmm? And um, what we speak about about uh, apparent movements in the objective world. Are it's it's as unreal as the as the movements themselves as the things themselves are, hmm? so it's it's not very meaningful that kind of uh, speech. Hmm? So this is the idea of Brahman, and so then loving to exist is the idea, hmm? uh, and I think that that uh, the point is made the implication of the point of. Um, Krishna's Kavirashas Goswami's explanation of these three realities corresponding with different paths is that they do exist um, as, it, as an experience hmm? and, and experience is everything. So, I mean, Krishna is an experience. You have to realize that. We can say Krishna is an ontological reality, but that doesn't make him an objective Reality, the Krishna Leela is subjective. You have to understand that. We try to objectify Krishna Leela. That's that's our conditioning. We try to objectify it. 
it's actually a subjective reality. We think, you see, we think objective realities are real. Subjective realities are, are false. It's only in your mind. Hmm? Why only? <laughs> the mind is more important than matter. Hmm? From our perspective, mind moves matter. Hmm? To hold an idea and have a, psych- a psychological experience in my estimation, is more tangible than a, than, than, than a, than a physical uh, experience. Hmm. Um, after all, even from a scientific point of view, we can't really touch matter. We never touch matter. We only... We, 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 we only um, experience our subjective experience of matter. Hmm? So we're constantly in this, our reality is subjective. We're so conditioned by this idea of objectifying things and, and, uh, and, and ruling with reason and so on and so forth. Um, but, uh, I think this is a backwards way of looking at life. So the subjective, I, I would say that... <laughs> That Krishna Leela is a subjective experience. It doesn't make it any less real. It makes it more real. And so, and Brahman is is a subjective and an objective, you know, reality within within subjectivity. And Krishna is an object, a, a subjective object, something like that. That's why I describe him as a as a. We have the term in English a significant other, like the wife would be the significant other. In a loving relationship, you have a significant other. I often describe Krishna as a significant consciousness other. Hmm? So, for example, we're talking about Satchitananda, corresponding with Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagwan. Each of these, Paramatma, uh, Brahman, and, and Bhagwan, have Satchitananda, but the balance is shifted in each. The balance is, is, is different. In Brahman, the greater balance is for existence. Hmm? In Paramatma, the greater balance is for knowing. Omniscience is the character of, 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 of the Paramatma. Hmm? And the yogi wants omniscience. is existing to know. Hmm? And there's more capacity for loving in the life of the yogi uh, in that there's a, there's, a, there's a transcendental duality. There's Paramatma. And then there's the yogi. There's Ishwar, and then there's the yogi. In Brahman, there is no other. So the capacity for experiencing Ananda is, is limited. Hmm? In other words, if you have two, then you can how, your capacity to love increases considerably. Hmm? Therefore, we say, and rightfully so, that in 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 that in, in yoga, mixed with bhakti, one can attain up to. Shantarasa, that from our perspective, that is a huge upgrade from from Brahma Sayuja, from Brahman realization to come to Shantarasa, hmm? and so there's there, there's there's another a consciousness other, but that other is not fully uh, developed. Hmm? We come to we we come to uh, we come to Bhagwan. And therefore, we, therefore, where we find an existence 
where one is existing to love. So the loving is prominent. Existence and knowing are not prominent in bhakti. Hmm? Krishna's existence, therefore, is depicted as being very small. It's a rural village. It's not big and palatial like Vaikuntha. It's not everywhere like Brahman. It's this little place. Hmm? But it's a big place because, at the same time, because it's full of affection. The more affection, the more accommodating the space, the bigger the space. You think about it. If you love someone, then you've got, it gives you a lot of room. You feel comfortable. Even in a small place, I could drop you off in the desert and say, here, you own the desert, it's yours. You have to live here alone. You think, okay, I got a lot of property, but I want to get out of here. Hmm? It's not comfortable. It's big, but it's not comfortable. So it could be very small, but you could have a person you love there. Then it's very comfortable. It's bigger. Hmm? You understand? Now, is that objectively bigger? Is it ontologically bigger? <laughs> you see, <laughs> it's bigger. <laughs> it's subjectively bigger and really bigger. Hmm? So Goloka is like that. It's really big. And, and Krishna is God in existential crisis, actually. And as we talked the other day, he's in some ignorance, hmm? some divine ignorance. So his knowing is lacking. Hmm? His sense of that he's God, the source of existence, is lacking. Hmm? And loving is fully, fully manifest. So the equation is shifted hmm? in terms of the sat, chit, and ananda. All three are represented in each form, but to different degrees. And different paths are in pursuit of existence, to end the struggle, for example, and the happiness that that would afford, knowing. And yogi, yogi wants to know, you know, he wants to control every, every organ in his body and so forth. And, you know, they can move the heart and so forth. It's like, and the, their ideal, the, the Ishwar, he's uh, omniscient. Omniscience is one of the, the kind of the goal of yoga, yoga samadhi, to know everything. Hmm? And in bhakti, jnana bhakti, knowing is not important. Hmm? Existence is not important. Hmm? What did Chitraketu say hmm? Hmm. when he was cursed to go to hell? He said, "What is it, Nara?" Sarga apavarga narakeshu apitulyarta darshanam. Whether I'm in heaven, in hell, liberated or unliberated, makes no difference. The nature, the quality of my existence, whether I'm. Mahapus mamajanmani janmanishwari babadad bhakti rahoyti kiti. I don't need to go anywhere. Stane istita, we heard the other. Shudigatam tanavanamanobhya. Don't have to go anywhere. Hmm? But, uh, uh, where I am is not important. Hmm? Who I'm with is what is important. Uh, that can t- that change the quality of the place. Hmm? 
something like that. So, uh, I think that it, that how can a realized person live, exist in something that's not ontologically existing? Hmm? I would look at at, at Krishna. Hmm? Just like you look at the jiva. Look at jiva and look at Brahman. These two are compared. They're so much compared that in some schools of thought they're, they're thought to be one. Hmm? In the Advaita Vedanta school, the jiva is thought to be one with Brahman. They're very similar. Hmm? Right? Brahman is Satchitananda, the jiva is Satchitananda. Hmm? You can't talk about Brahman, you can't talk about the jiva. Hmm? Has no qualities, hmm? no form. Hmm? Like Brahman. What can you say about consciousness? Brahman is just more of that consciousness. Hmm? If you take the jiva and you add bhakti to the jiva, if the tatasta comes under the influence of the sarup shakti, that is bhakti, then its life changes dramatically. It has a life, so to speak. Beyond just I am, I exist. And, and, and in an enduring way, and the happiness of that, one takes on form and relationship and there are others and so on and so forth. Same thing true with Krishna. In one sense, Krishna is Brahman infused with bhakti. Where there is the surup shakti, then Brahman is moving. So bhakti is animating the absolute. Hmm? Brahman is like jiva. Hmm? Similar. We are small, Brahman is big. You add surup shakti to the jiva, then it has lila. Hmm? You add surup shakti to Bhagavan, to, to Brahman, you, you have Brahman is moving. Hmm? and you have qualities and form, hmm? medium size, moving from place to place in Leela and so on and so forth. Of course, this is, this is really an advocacy of the, uh, of, of the, of, of the power, uh, efficacy, and influence of bhakti, but that's what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is about. Jairadhe, this is Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Jairadhe. Radha is the personification of, of bhakti, hmm? and bhakti is what making Brahman uh, alive, so it moves, so to speak, have a life. Hmm? So, does, does Bhagwan exist without, without bhakti? Hmm? Sometimes we, I've, I said, where, if people say, you say God created the world, where does God come from? Right? Where does Krishna come from? We, we have an answer, we say, from Radha. Where does Radha come from? From Krishna. Hmm. It's circular, but it's true. <laughs> uh, These are complementary, complementary truths that you can't have one without the other. You can't have a teacher without students. Um, some time ago, a person I know made an announcement on Facebook. He said, I've decided 
I'm, I'm a guru now. You want, like, put out an announcement, I'm a guru. <laughs> it was kind of a chuckle to me. I, I, I thought, well, if you get a student, let us know. <laughs> it's it's this for the student to declare, so to speak. Hmm? Or some students will, that without one student, what is the meaning of being, I'm a guru? Hmm? It's not a one-way. It's not a one-way thing. You have to have the two. <laughs> so if someone agrees with you, well, you know, and, and we, we can uh, acknowledge that. Um, so, <laughs> so, so does Krishna exist then hmm, without bhakti? No, he he doesn't. Uh, without Radha, does Radha exist without Krishna? No. So uh, these are some interesting thoughts, of course, but. Um, with regard to the jiva's possibilities, they, they, its potential is realized only in connection with bhakti. Without, without the ingress of bhakti, without the bhakti samskar, hmm? there's, it's not, there's nothing inherent in us that will um, enable us to enter into the, the leela of Krishna, have representation there. Hmm? Just like there's no Krishna there without bhakti. <laughs> we say it about Krishna, but to speak about ourselves then. Hmm? You understand? Hmm? So, yeah, I think those are subjective and objective or ontological uh, realities, different faces of the, uh, of the absolute experienced by different practitioners. Hmm? And uh, and it's and it's easy to point out, I think, that 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 the face of Bhagawan and Sri Krishna in particular is most desirable by the simple argument uh, or question that we began with: What is more desirable, to love to exist, or to exist to love? Uh, everyone will say, "Oh, it's better to exist to love." Hmm? than to love to exist. Therefore, you, then you should do bhakti yoga. Simple. Hmm? Forget about this jnana yoga and brahman and all these things. It's not imp- Everybody agrees. Hmm? You ask anybody, they will agree. If they understand the question, they say, oh yeah, better to, I like that better. Exist to love. Then, <laughs> so we don't have to fight with them. They already agree with us. Hmm? And as I said the other night, also, back to the idea of subjective realities and so forth, having value, no, no one is a materialist. No one is a materialist, in a sense. Um, people um, are really driven by and in pursuit of subjective experiences, and they posit these experiences on matter, and they make, that makes matter meaningful. So the subjective is, is much more meaningful. I gave the example someone pays a million dollars for the, 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 the ball that won the World Cup. Hmm? And you think he's paying a million dollars for a soccer ball, for a football. He's, crazy. he's not paying for the ball at all. He's not interested in the ball, really. It's the feeling of the ball, that the emotion of the World Cup and when it went in and uh, when they hit the home run, you know, in, the, in the baseball, in America. Another example, then, you don't, they don't say, 
you know, everybody's not, they, sometimes they give statistics. It was going this fast, and it went this high, and it went this far, and so forth. Hmm? But it's the feeling, the emotional feeling of the whole thing that uh, uh, someone could, you know, do that. But in the, in the context of the game, and it's the last moment, and, and so on and so forth, they pay for that feeling. Hmm? So, so this is what we are living for: subjective, the subjective reality that 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 that, 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 that gives meaning to the objective world that, that otherwise it would not have. It doesn't hold for us. Hmm? So why we try to objectify the subjective? Why are we preoccupied with this and and, and seeking this kind of objective validation for something to be uh, true and credible? Unbelievable! This this doesn't make a lot of sense, and we don't function like this. In as much as I've said before, we cannot objectively prove that we exist. Our existence is a private experience. I exist, and I experience the world relative to my sense of existence. No one can get in there hmm? <laughs> and look at it exactly like you. Hmm? So you can't approve your experience, but you live accordingly. You you get up every morning because you think that you exist, although you can't prove it. So why everything has to be, you know, has to be put under the microscope to be proved objectively? Hmm? Subjective experience has value too. We we shy away from subjective experience in a sense because well, it could be just be or just it's not really happening. Hmm? Um, you might think that you're God, but you're not. Something like that. Uh, so there's some place for <laughs> for ob- objectivity, hmm? but yoga is very objective. Spiritual practice is very objective. Hmm? It wants to very objectively look at the argument that consciousness is different from matter, and ob- 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 very objectively by way of uh, uh, putting forward a discipline to to experience that, to validate that subjectively, that objectively is at least credible. Hmm? It looks like he's or she is living largely independently of matter. That's what we're doing. Hmm? The more we come in the fold of Krishna consciousness, the more we're living independently of matter. Therefore, we, we forego certain, certain things that other people could not live without. How can you live without that? It's impossible, they think. Hmm? Or, or to use a, a yogic example, the yogi in the cave, he's living on his breath, some heart is beating once a week, something like that. It's like, how much more do we have to do here to, to demonstrate the idea that consciousness is independent of matter? Of course, he's, in, well, he's going to die. It's going to stop sometime, right? Hmm? And then he'll be gone. Well, the, the, you know, yeah, well, you know, we can unscrew the light bulb and there won't be any light anymore, but does that mean electricity is gone? No. Within the embodied condition, we can uh, demonstrate to a point that one has to Take notice hmm? that it's quite possible to exist and to thrive hmm? and to live more happily, more bountifully hmm? by 
independent of matter. The more we become absorbed in matter, the more we become dependent upon it. Hmm? And think we need this, that, and another one of those, and so many things in order to exist. Hmm? So spiritual life is kind of an objective approach in one sense, to demonstrating the theory that there's a difference between consciousness and matter, consciousness is independent of matter. And there are good examples in the lives of mystics and in the lives of devotees. They're also mystics. They're living only, what are they, living only for some imagination? Krishna? Hmm. They're not getting anything out of that? Just imagining? Well, in fact, we're just imagining that we have things, too, (laughs) for that matter. Materially speaking, we're only imagining that we have them. We don't really have them. Hmm? Our bodily existence is kind of an, an imagination. I mean, it's very short-lived, right? So, some thoughts. What else? Yes? But uh, you said earlier that uh, the knowledge has no meaning unless it brings you to the sadhana. At least I, I understand it like this. But it seems that you put um, more pressure on knowledge and uh, knowing the southern, at, at least in, in uh, your, your writings and uh, lectures. Marat wcześniej powiedział, że Wiedza nie ma jakby wartości, dopóki ktoś nie, nie zaakceptuje i nie zacznie sadany, ale wydaje się, że Maharaj poświęca więcej czasu na wiedzę i na, na, jakby na poznawanie niż na sadany, przynajmniej tak się wydaje, jeżeli chodzi o wykłady i, i książki. Uh, yeah, I think I understand what you mean, um, but the emphasis on knowledge is knowledge of that if we look at it carefully of of why we should it's kind of like why we should practice Hmm? why we should be a devotee why it's it's sambandagana it's it's knowledge also that it's required for practicing that will be helpful help us it will foster practice sambandagana is is a conceptual orientation that that as we imbibe it the natural outcome of that is a certain type of action which we call bhakti. So um, it's, uh, uh, yeah, knowledge has a, has a, has a purpose um, and the purpose is practice. And if you have a taste for practice, then you don't need the knowledge. But if you don't have a taste for practice, then you need knowledge. Hmm? to understand why the why this is vaidhi bhakti why you should practice rag bhakti doesn't require knowledge it requires some knowledge of how to do rag bhakti hmm? um, it's it's a it's a reverse in vaidhi bhakti you you will need some knowledge to to practice you will, you will need some reason to practice hmm? you will need to know that by bhakti you can end all fear by bhakti, you can end material existence. Hmm? By bhakti, you can uh, attain 
um, salvation. And that will motivate you. That is, that faith is motivating then the practice of Vaidhi Bhakti. When we, as we become qualified for Rag Bhakti, in the full sense of the term, Rag Bhakti is motivated by taste. Then we are driven by that, and then we still acquire knowledge, but in a different way. Just like, let's say, for example. You have a mother and you have a babysitter. Right? So you, you, you give the child to the babysitter and you say, take care of the baby. So the, 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 the babysitter will, is, is a professional, so she has studied how to take care of babies. She knows how to take care of babies. This is her job. And so you give the baby, and she does her job, and she gets paid for it, and she takes care of the baby. She has a certain motivation for that. Hmm? And, and she's learned for, about baby caring for a certain reason. Now, mother wants to take care of the baby also. And mother also wants to take care of the baby very nicely. right? So she may learn how to take care of babies. But there's a difference in the mother's learning, studying, how to take care of babies, and the babysitters learning how to take care of babies. You understand? The mother has a taste for taking care of the baby. It's my baby. Hmm? So I want to do it right, and I'm motivated by that taste and driven by that. She'll study books on child care and so on and so forth, but that study is, is very kind of natural and driven by taste. Hmm? So there's learning also, there's knowledge for, for rag bhakti, how to do rag bhakti, what is rag bhakti about, and this kind of thing. This, this, this. So at any rate, you know, in either case, there is, uh, uh, when I say that knowledge is for practice, knowledge is useful in as much as it turns into practice. Hmm? That doesn't mean we shouldn't give knowledge. We should give knowledge hmm, um, that will give reason for practice. That one might, without which, one might not practice. If you don't hear hmm, in a thoughtful way basic tenets of the philosophy, well, you're going to hear other things. You're going to be distracted, and and your capacity to practice will probably go out the window. Do you understand? Hmm? Therefore, when you come and you hear like this, you get some inspiration. And you think, yeah, I should practice. practice. Uh, there's a good reason for it. What I'm doing makes sense. It's reasonable. We need that at a certain point. Hmm? And, um, and you know, as time goes on, there are different arguments that need to be dealt with and so forth to help sadhakas stay with, <laughs> on the path, so to speak. Hmm? There's com- competition for your, 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 your servitorship. People want your energy. The world wants your energy. We want it to be given to Krishna. So we have to give you the knowledge that, that, that why that would be good for you. I understand this, but yeah. uh, it seems that the proportion of, uh, of uh, I'm about the practice and the knowledge is 
more to the knowledge. I, I don't. I, I do. I do not question that uh, we do not need knowledge. Uh -huh. Right. I'm only asking. Uh, why is that? Do I really need all of this to know all of these verses and uh -huh. things to 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 start a practice? I, I know I do not need it. Well, Rupa Goswami has explained that there are three levels of eligibility for practice. Hmm? Neophyte, intermediate, and superlative. Kanishta, Madhyam, and Uttam. And he has differentiated between the three um, by determining different uh, degrees of faith. This is Pravati Bhakti. Hmm? Different degrees of faith. So faith that is tender, weak, hmm? this gives one less ability to practice effectively. Hmm? A person is their faith. So the level of your faith will determine you know, your, your participation. Shridamarsh used to say, suspension, suspicion leads to suspension. So if we have doubt, we become suspended. We can't go forward. If we have faith, we can, we can go forward. Krishna says, I am Shraddhayam Purusha. A person is their faith. It's the animating force in life, in a sense. So faith in bhakti, hmm, the efficacy of bhakti, gives us the eligibility to, to engage in bhakti. But if that faith is tender, is weak, then it can be swayed by other arguments and so on and so forth, then it can, our, our practice can be unsteady, which is typically the case of the neophyte. So how one becomes qualified in an intermediate sense for practicing, that the practice will be steady. Hmm? Um, this faith is, is strengthened by the scriptural argument. That's what the scriptural argument is. There is revelation, and then there's reasoning about the revelation. Hmm? And reasoning about the revelation and its implications and so on and so forth. This um, is engaging in that is how we, we harmonize our heart with our head and we strengthen our faith. Hmm? So the intermediate practitioner uh, who is more qualified and will be more, more be able to more effectively follow the path has, is, is characterized by not weak faith but firm faith. And what has made his or her faith firm hmm, is acquaintance with the argument that, that promotes the faith hmm, from, from, this, from the sacred texts and from the sadhus who have explained it as a dynamic way. This and this 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 is a, a kind of the driving force in Vaidhi Bhakti. And then the superlative devotee is one who uh, whose command of the sacred texts, the body of knowledge, revelation, is uh, is is greater still. And um, and having taste can. Uh, uh, reason about it better than the intermediate 
uh, devotee and uh, is thus uh, I mean if you, if you know what you're doing you can do it better than if you don't know what you're doing if you if you know what what bhakti is where it goes what it's about what it's not um, you're in a better capacity to to practice is the, is the idea so um, then again it, it, it's, it's troublesome you're expressing it huh. I have to learn all these things all these verses and so on and so forth I think that you have to use your intelligence hmm? and we may be willing to move our body a little bit but but uh, and, 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 and engage and so forth but thinking is harder even still <laughs> uh, so yes you do have to engage your the intelligence of a sadhakadeha now everybody doesn't have the same degree of 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 intelligence some have a less burden they're less burdened by intelligence more intelligence means more burden also it has to be satisfied it has to be answered in order to go forward and so forth so uh, sometimes we make arguments for those people and those who don't need it as much, they may think, oh, I don't really need to learn all that. And that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you're lucky. <laughs> you're, you're, you're lucky. But you do have to engage your intelligence fully. Hmm? And, um, and so there are two types of Bhagavatas, for example. Also, there's the book Bhagavatam and there's the person Bhagavatam. So we can, we can study the Bhagavatam very carefully and know it very well, like Sanatana Goswami uh, follow that example, or we can just follow Sanatana Goswami, attach ourselves to him, and so forth, and say he says it. I agree with that, and and so on. That's to an extent that may work very well, actually. Um, of course, without good guidance, that can that can go wrong too. That's the problem. If we attach ourselves to a saint, to a sadhu, and we just follow whatever he says. Hmm. Uh, and we don't have so much ability to sort out the implication, the meaning, and we don't feel we need it. We're just happy that way. That's fine. But if, for example, like Prabhupada is like that uh, for many disciples, and then he disappeared from the world, he left the world, he departed from the world, and um, and so they, some of them say we, we just follow Prabhupada. But the, but then it's not the same because Prabhupada's not there to say no. That's not what I mean. That's not what it means to follow me, and so forth. And so then it becomes a problem. So if you still continue to have that kind of a person in your life, then fine. Hmm? And of course, that's very desirable, even if we're very intelligent, if we're very burdened by intelligence. I'm not saying it's better to be more intelligent, necessarily. <laughs> so um, so diff- different devotees, to a different extent, will... And I think it's natural. Some of them will very intellectually oriented devotees who will want to learn those things, will, will thrive on those kind of arguments and learning and so forth. And those who are less intellectually oriented will not, and that's fine. But everybody has to be engaged fully according to their mind and intelligence, body, words. This is the idea. A little differently for, for different persons. But but basically, yeah, you know, this is what... Uh, if you If you want me to only talk about practice, what do I say? <laughs> we just practice then. We just chant. Hmm? Uh, but that's not so easy. I was once in Hawaii and some devotees, they said, 
we want to invite you to kirtan, all night kirtan. This is many years ago. I said, oh, okay, you're going to do kirtan all night long. I said, all right. And any, any, um, would there be any discussion? No, 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 we don't, we don't want that. We don't want any, that will create differences. Hmm? We just want everybody to get together and chant all night. As soon as you talk, make point, and there's some disagreement, and some agreement, and, and so on. I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll think about that. <laughs> yeah. and then I found out that, that the way they stayed up all night was also that they were doing other things, augmenting the chanting with some, some kind of drugs and things like that, and chanting all and liking one, everybody happy. <laughs> so they needed some talking uh, very much. One fellow once said to me, I was giving a lecture, it was a little complicated, he said, Marge, whatever happened to just chant? and be happy. Why can't we just chant and be happy? I said, I don't know. Why can't you just chant and be happy? Why don't you do that? Do you do that? Why don't you do that? Hmm? He, 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 he wasn't doing that. Fine, if you can do that. If you can't, then we should talk about it. <laughs> we should talk about it. <laughs> Fill the gap. We'll talk about it. Why we should... Then we chant a little bit. Then we talk why we should chant. Then we chant a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Hmm. So, it's true though, as we advance, then my lectures will become more boring to you. (laughs) (laughs) Then you know you're making progress. Then we can just chant, be happy. But this is also chanting. Hmm? And that is also, you're also hearing. This is hearing and chanting. This This is a special kind of knowledge. Knowledge about the object who we are, um, that we are worshipping, that is useful for worshipping him, for loving him. The more you know about one who's lovable, the more you can love them, right? Hmm? That is the idea. But the shift, of course, can be be there in in the discussions. you know, we talk about the Leela and we may, and in the context of that we go off on so many philosophical points and so forth. There may come a point where you're just happy to hear the Leela. Hmm? This is Gopi's position. Hmm? When Uddhava came to enlighten the Gopis, hmm, they thought, what's this? What are you talking about? This is boring stuff. You're giving them Brahmagyan and so forth. And they think, this is like, what? Are you telling us Krishna sent this this message? You know, we we, we reject that message. We have no interest in that. Then he said it again, the message. I said, oh, I think that's what he means. Maybe Krishna means, oh, that's what he's saying. No, that's a little better. And then then say it again. Again, he told the message from the gopis. He said, oh, that's what he's doing. You got it wrong, Uddhava. Hmm? (laughs) Uddhava... (laughs) <laughs> he had a certain understanding of what the message was. He explained that. They didn't like that. Then I asked to explain again. That was a little bit. Third time, that's what he means. Uddhava was becoming enlightened. Hmm? What is Krishna actually, Krishna actually saying? Hmm? So, <laughs> yes, otherwise for them... Consciousness is different than matter. I said it was very exciting. For them, it was a very boring idea hmm, to hear about that. But, of course, having realized that, hmm, then it will not, then you're interested in other 
topics more, the prospect of consciousness, uh, enlightened life, what its possibilities are, and so forth. But the fact that it's different from matter, that'll be fascinating for those who are attached to matter and can catch the idea and be excited about that. How can I, how can I do that? How can I catch that? How can I, that I that we talked about, that is so, so central but so elusive, how can I shift in that direction? Hmm? And of course, it's, the answer is you have to become that. It's like Ram Krishna gave an example, sorry, the kind of authority. If you have a salt doll who wanted a doll, a doll, you know, a doll, made out of salt, wanted to taste the salt ocean, what to, be do, what to do? You had to enter the ocean and become the salt, hmm? right? Hmm? Had to dissolve. So how will we understand that? that con- it's, it, the idea is like exciting, uh, compelling. Hmm? But how will I, I mean, the how to do that, the problem with the how <laughs> that I'm having with that is my unwillingness to become what, to be what I am. Hmm? I'm trying to be still something else and still still understand that. Hmm? You understand? I'm still trying to remain attached materially and, 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 and understand the subjective reality. Or from the objective point of view, we, we try to... This, is what, this won't work. That is what sadhana is about. You have to become the, the, the object that you pursue. You have to become Brahman, to love Brahman. Hmm? To enter the fire, you have to become a, f- a flame something like that. This is very um, challenging. <laughs> very challenging. Uh, exciting, but, but it gives us some, some trepidation at the same time. Hmm? So we, we need good association to hear about that and, 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 and gradually we have to enter that ocean, become like the salt, and then we can find, oh, there are fish in here and waves and... So, so many things. What, what is the possibility in the ocean of consciousness? Just the idea that I am consciousness. And from, if we can talk about it, see, there are waves at the bottom. There are big fish like this, and, and you go. You can't. You can know about that theoretically, but you can't go there. Hmm? Really? And there are fish at the bottom, and they are timingilas, and they're this big, and they swallow whales. And, is it possible? This is how we talk about Krishna Leela. Really? And that's going on. And, uh, such thing is possible, and it's enticing, but I cannot know that without going there. Hmm? And how will I go there? I have to become, I have to become the ocean hmm? myself. I have to dissolve. Hmm? I have to dissolve my present form and the, and the mental constructs. Hmm? And this is what happens when we become absorbed. The mental constructs start to melt. We go in, and they start to melt, and we have experience. Uh, of our self, the nature of Atma. Hmm? Then we come out of that. We are not the same when we come out. Hmm? You're not the same. You've, you've, you, you're not the same as when you were in, but you're not the same as before you went in either. You come out different. Hmm? It's like if you take LSD or something like that. You take enough, it starts to like, like, like I don't know how it works, but like, burn some place in your brain and you can go there again. You get a flashback to 
just by thinking about that. Again, it comes, something like that. So you enter into samadhi and come back out. You're a different person, and then you go back in. You come back out, and then there's no difference between in and out after a certain point. Hmm. So, practice. <laughs> yes, practice. Practice is, is everything. Hmm? The journey is the destination, they say. Right? So. so to become, become, to let go of the objective world and the necessity of, of reason and so forth, it's very, very challenging. It's compelling, it's charming, but it's a challenge to do that. So for that we need help. But if I'm to emphasize practice, then what will I say? Rupa Goswami wrote a book about practice. He wrote, what is the practice? What to expect at different stages? So there's a map there, and you can see I'm, what's happening to me. Is what, am I experiencing what's said in the book? If I am, then, then I'm making progress. He gave a map like that. Bhagavad Gita doesn't teach how to practice. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught how to practice. Hmm? By his example. He just did ecstatic kirtan. Hmm? He didn't say much. He said a couple things to Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, and then they said so much. Wrote so many books and, and so forth. Uh, he made a couple arguments here and there. Mostly he converted people by his example, hmm? by his practice. He very much does emphasize this point that it's a it's a, that practice is, speaks louder than precept. Hmm. So practice is certainly more important than the precept. The knowledge that will inspire and inform our practice. Hmm. Practice is more important than that theoretical knowledge. The knowledge that then comes from the practice is more important than the practice. That knowledge is, it means, this, is Rajavidya, that is love, bhakti. Better, therefore, Krishna says, better than practice is knowledge. That's another way. But that means, <laughs> they realized knowledge. First, there's theoretical knowledge, practice is in between, and then there's realized knowledge. So, why don't I speak more about practice? What shall I say? Hmm. You know, you have to use this finger and a thumb, and you, you put on the beat, and you chant like that. And people say, "How will we become humble?" I don't know. <laughs> how you, how to become humble? You just you, you you by understanding something, how insignificant you are. We talk about Brahma Vimohan Lila. We should become the natural response would be, "I become humble." Huh. See how insignificant I am. This is the story. Brahma is thinking himself insignificant. I must be insignificant. This is part of the teaching. How, how, so, what else? Yes? I have a practical question. Oh, okay. <laughs> Regarding training. Regarding what? Training. Training? Chanting. 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 Oh, yeah. Like, you know, when we chant, then we actually we have to struggle with our mind. Yeah. Kind of reflection came to my mind that isn't it proper 
frightened in the mind during chanting. Because, because it is like if, he, if I would like to force Krishna to appear in my mind. Uh-huh. So this is not proper mood. Mm-hmm. But if this is not proper mood to fight with your mind during chanting, so actually what should I do? Yeah. So chanting, chanting japa, for example, you're, you're speaking about. So in chanting japa, this is a, a, a limb of smaranam. Hmm? Smaranam. Diva Goswami has explained smaranam. There are stages. He says smaranam, dharana, dhyan, samadhi, hmm? Uh, what is it? Dhruvana Smriti? Or Dhruvana Smriti and Samadhi? Anyway, I think five stages. First stage is Smarnam. Smarnam means that, in this sense, some remembrance. I, I remember. Not systematically, but, but uh, sometimes I remember Krishna, for example. Hmm? Now, uh, dharna, what is dharna? Dharna means to with, withdraw the mind from other topics. Hmm? So this is very concerted uh, effort. Withdraw the mind from other objects and fix it on Krishna. Hmm? So when you're chanting and the mind can't stay on Krishna and you're trying to keep the mind on Krishna, this is a form of dharna. Hmm? You're not fighting Krishna and arguing that Krishna should stay there, but you're, you're fighting to clean the area that Krishna might be more inclined to stay there, to drive out other, other thoughts and distractions and so forth hmm? that are cluttering the mind and in, in, in that way making an, 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 an effort in the pursuit of love of Krishna, just like I, I will love someone. So I want them to come to and stay at my house. So then I get busy and I clean it, make it very nice and so forth, and put a flowers here and so forth in the room and a picture and, and so forth, all these kind of things. Um, uh, sweep out the dirt and so forth. Um, sweeping dirt is not loving, but in the, con- in the context in which I'm speaking of it, it, it is. Do you understand? Because you want to invite someone in and so forth. So dharna 
when we're doing japa is something like that. Hmm? That's how you should think about it. Hmm? I'm trying to make the area uh, uh, receptive and accommodating, comfortable, and and spacious for Krishna. He should, he is exclusive. Hmm? His uh, love of Krishna is exclusive. There cannot be anything else there. Hmm? Otherwise, he will not be attracted. Hmm? He has exclusive devotees who love him only. They can, they, they are ananya bhaktas, hmm? and we want ananya bhakti, so we have to put everything else out. So, in the context of pursuing ananya bhakti, there's some space place for for that. We call it dharna. Does that help? Hmm? Yeah. What else? Yes. Uh, I learned from one devotee, actually, he couldn't provide any reference, so therefore I'm trying to clarify the statement. He said that all the paraphernalia which are used for uh, daily worship, like every day we use shamana, we use some incense, they have some inner meaning. And he was trying to explain that, for instance, Mother Yashoda needs some light to check when Krishna is coming back from. Uh, from the, for, uh, like with the, with the end uh, of the day, he's coming back with the uh, gopals and uh, with, with cows, and he's like Mother Yashoda is checking with the lamp if the yeah. scratches or bruises. Also, when when you light the incense, so the incense represents like the dust which is made by the cows and and gopals. So, but um, I was trying to find a reference for this statement. So. so uh, could, could you provide an uh, information like um, um, like guidance for, for finding in the Shastras or in the writings of the Charyas? Mm-hmm. So for inner meaning of the paraphernalias uh, used for uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Więc,ヤオスシャーマディネゴスヴィルディチェリーシャーマディネゴスヴィルディチェリーシャーマディネゴスヴィルディチェリーシャーマディネゴスヴィルディチェリーシャーマディネゴスヴィルディチェリーシ
the <laughs> incense. Uh, you know, you want that, it, 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 practical. These are these are pleasing items. Um, uh, the, the lamp, of course, is from a time when there's no electricity. So you want to get up in the morning and, and see the Lord, you, you light the lamp and you offer the lamp like this and, uh, and create light in the room <laughs> and you offer the scent and, and, um, and the air and the, the fanning and um, uh, these kind of... So that's, in one sense, that's the highest understanding. These things will please the, are pleasing to the senses and, um, and, 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 of course, in Arctic, they're offered in a ritualistic way. I often refer to that as the realm of ritual. And so it's a symbolic um, uh, presence of, of, of Krishna. Krishna is symbolically there. What I mean by symbolically, that he's, he's there not as a symbol of some impersonal absolute, but a symbolic representation of himself that accepts articles and items from those whose lives are are mixed with with matter and spirit. Hmm? Uh, in other words, Mother Yasoda also offers food to Krishna, but she doesn't say Om Kling Idam Naivedyam Kling Krishnaya Namaha, you know. Like this, and you look at her like, what's wrong with you? You know, <laughs> she just said, "Come and eat, and eat more, hmm? and so forth." Um, so, uh, some the kindness of Krishna he comes in the form of the arch of Igraha, and then there's its ritualistic language and 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 uh, guidelines for engaging and communicating with the with the deity and so forth, and and so. We are offering same kind of items. So the highest idea in one sense is these are pleasing to Krishna's senses, and so we are pleasing his senses, and they are what they are. Hmm? Do you understand? And then, then also, then you can, then in a lower stage, we make more meaning out of more abstract ideas. Then it becomes more meaningful for us if it's more abstract and so-called deeper and so forth. Like, for example, Prabhupada would say, someone would say, what is the meaning of the five horses on Arjun's chariot? What do they represent? I mean, what do they really mean? And Prabhupada would say something like, it requires five horses to pull a chariot. (laughs) That's the deepest meaning, actually. Hmm? Yes, but it's hard to get to get that. And you say, well, this horse represents one sense and this horse another sense. Oh, yeah, it has more meaning and so forth. And then the reins are the mind and, and so on. And, and so that may help us at a certain point to come to the other end of the spectrum. Hmm? And Because, you know, the more we... Think, what does Krishna mean? Krishna means... Uh, you, know, I don't know, the, you know, Krishna means... He, said, he would say, Krishna means Krishna. Hmm? He's like this. And he, and, so that is a very high idea, difficult to understand. So we get lesser ideas that sound more high, and then they inspire us to, to participate and so forth. <laughs> so then we say, okay, so the Arctic elements, the, the, they represent the different elements. Scent, like a sense of smell, 
taste, uh, touch, um, air, fire, and so forth. And our body is constituted of earth, water, fire, air, ether, conch, sound and ether, uh, solidity, liquidity, heat, movement, air, and so forth. So we're constituted of these things. We step on the altar. We, we step out of that body. We step into a spiritual body. Hmm? With the material senses, we can't serve Krishna. Hmm? So we step into a different body, so to speak. And we offer the artik and we unravel. Hmm? Let the earth that I'm constituted of be offered to you. Hmm? Let the fire that I'm constituted of be offered to you. Hmm? And this way, one by one, unravel all these elements, ahankar, one by one, ahankar undone. Hmm? Something like that. Uh, then I wrote a poem about it once, uh, uh, the Arctic, from this perspective. Then um, uh, uh, the offering is complete, something like that. So that's one way to look. Then if you go to the Leela hmm, of Krishna, then these things are coming out of the Leela. Hmm? Because it's in Brahman, it's coming... It, it, because it's here, it must be in Brahman, is the idea. Because the world is coming out of Brahman. So the effect must be present in the cause. So if we go to Rag, Rag Bhakti for example, in Vrindavan. There we find Varnashram is there. We find all the inhabitants of Vrindavan engage in Vaidhi Bhakti. Hmm? That's their religion. Hmm? In the house of Nandamar, they worship the Shaligram, Nishingha. Hmm? They offer Artik, just like you do. They offer Artik to the Shaligram and their mind is somewhere else just like us. Only their mind is on Krishna, <laughs> not on Narayan. <laughs> running with that and so forth. And They have more important things, to do, but they have to do this too. So, so this Vaidhi Bhakti is there, Varnashram is there, so to speak, hmm? superficially. Hmm? And it means that all these things that could be found in these things and more are found in, in Rag Bhakti. In the Braj Lila, everything is there. And so offering Artik is there, too. Hmm? But they don't offer Artik like we offer Artik. But it's true. In Govinda Lilamrita, it is mentioned, Krishna comes back, Aratri, at the end of night. Hmm? And, and there's no electricity, so she wants to see him. Hmm? And so Rohini will bring lamp, hmm? the ghee lamp, and they look and they check, is he okay? Does he have any scratches? Oh, here's one. Where did you get that? Oh, here. So, and then Subal said, Oh, he, you know, this happened, this fell, and this branch cut, and so forth, and cover up the fact that he has markings from his love rendezvous with gopis. Uh, that is not something that the Vatsalya Rasa can know about. Hmm? So he has friends to help him, Krishna, to cover him, so to speak in this regard. But anyway, she's, this is, so they say, 
this something this is the beginning of the, the genesis the origins of the concept of arti hmm? uh, so like and and like something like end of night uh, or here beginning of night so they similarly in the morning hmm? to light up and and symbolically of course you know you you you're waking up hmm? from the slumber of material existence and so this, there were different ways to think about it like that. And yes, it's true. In Govindali Lamrta you'll find it. But you won't find a description like how, how the uh, Chamara, Sripad Bhakti Bhadanta Narayanamarsh used to, used to give a nice uh, example. Uh, the gopis will look at Krishna hmm? from a distance. They can't get close. So there's some separation. Hmm? So their heart hmm, is like the oil Hmm? of the lamp and their eyes are going around like this looking at every, <laughs> everything looking at him and offering artik like this for, with, 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 uh, <laughs> like this so it's all or there's a beautiful description for example of Govardhan given by Jiva Goswami in Gopal Champu Govardhan Hill is described in Bhagavatam as being the dearmost friend of Krishna. Hmm. Um, what is the word used? Haridas Varja, hmm. the best servant of Krishna. Um, and so Diva Goswami plays that out hmm, and explains how there's, there's 64 items of worship in, in a puja, in a full, in long version <laughs> of. Uh, <laughs> And so he explains how Govardhan supplies all 64 different items. Hmm? He provides facility for many birds to come and they sing and so forth. And there's certain kind of flowers and grasses and, and caves for resting and uh, lakes providing a mirror that Krishna can look at himself. We offer the mirror and so forth and, and different ingredients from the, from the ground and so forth, the hill is a provider, and he goes through every all the 64 items and describes. So Govardhan in the Leela is performing this archan, hmm? a, good, a big example of that for everyone. But it's only in a, it, it's in a, in, a, in a different form of expression. So this is a beautiful, these are beautiful ways, of course, to think about our participation in archan and how it is coming out of the Leela in a symbolic way it's useful for us and helpful for us and it can take us into the Leela. And it's, it's not that we throw that away. Hmm? We, we, we take it in on, and, and, and participate in it in a deeper sense. Hmm? There, there, all this ritual is being performed really without distance. Hmm? In 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 Vaidimarg, there's there's the object of worship, and then there's the worshiper, and then there's worship. In Ragmarg, ultimately, the 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 worshippers become one with the object of worship. Therefore, Krishna is thought to be one of us. Hmm? They don't even think we belong to Krishna. They think Krishna belongs to us. Hmm? Krishna is ours. He's one of our kind. Hmm? Krishna is like us. We should say, no, no, man is made in the image of God. No, God is made in the image of man. <laughs> That's the way we teach. <laughs> so they think Krishna is ours. Mamata, Prem, 
means like this. Mine, minus. Krishna belongs to us. He's one of us. He's a Brajabasi. Hmm? Um, I like the idea. Once when we mentioned Bhakti Vedanta Narayan Maharaj, she said he was told that Prabhupada named the deity in London, London Ishwar. And he was having some trouble thinking, Krishna is London Ishwar? Krishna is Brajendranandan. Yeah, he's. Uh, and so forth. So I, I reasoned, yes, but he wants the people of London to think he's ours. Hmm? Something like that. He belongs to us. This, this idea. They get some bonding with him. He's one of us. He, it, this is how Gaudiya Vaishnavism came to the West because some English people thought, Bhakti Siddhanta, he's like one of us. Hmm? There's a famous letter that one lady who had met Bhakti Siddhanta, the British were occupying India, of course, at the time, and so they were meeting different sadhus and so forth, and, and she had met Bhakti Siddhanta, and he was different, because hmm? he, like, he was like us, she said. He even uses a British toilet, she wrote in, in the letter, and so it was causing some, some bonding with, with him. Hmm? It was very good. <laughs> so... <laughs> Prabhupada may have had something like that in mind. Of course, he wanted to conquer England too. That's another thing. <laughs> Assert uh, the superiority of the East, so to speak. But so, does that help? You had a comment? Uh, I have a question about this higher practice of Smaradam. Because mm. Jiva Goswami said, probably he said that. Uh, what we are practicing at the time of sadhana, then we will attain at the time of sadhya, or perfection. Yeah. So it means that to go to Brahman, we have to become like Brahman, or to serve to divinity, we have to be divine. So it means some kind of Buddha Shuddhi, that we should understand not that we are spirit soul, but we should understand who we are in the spiritual world. So it means this 11 halves, I mean, Actually, this is a question about Siddha Pranam. <laughs> because uh, for me, I don't know, this is a very controversial subject in our line. Uh, but it seems that it is a bona fide practice. But what time it should be introduced in and in which way it should be uh, take, uh, received from, from the Guru? Mm-hmm. Czy połączyć się z Brahmanem musimy być sami jak Brahman, czy służyć boskości musimy sami być boscy. Czyli jest ta Buddha Siódki, czyli zrozumienie, że nie tylko jestem żywą istotą, ale kim ja jestem w rozrywka Kryszna. Więc to ostatecznie pytanie o Sitha Pranali, o wiernie tych 11 bhav. Pytanie jest takie, czy na jakim etapie to się osiąga i w jaki sposób to się osiąga. Czy to przychodzi z zewnątrz, czyli od nicza duchowego, czy to manifestuje się z wewnątrz. Nie, że jest to trochę taki kontrowersyjny temat w naszej Sampradaji, który wydaje się, że jest on bona fide. Więc chciałbym, żeby mi teraz wyjaśnił. So, yes, 
uh, Rupa Goswami has explained that Raghunuga Bhakti is focused on smaranam and and that 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 smaranam is involves remembering or really meditating on the love uh, between Krishna and particular associates of his that one has become attracted to. Hmm? And the practice is um, is uh, in- engaged in two, two forms, in the sadhaka deha and in a meditative body we call siddha deha, a meditative body. Hmm? And um, that practice conducted in the meditative body is one in which we follow in meditation the ways that the devotee that personifies our ideal conducts himself or herself in the leela. Hmm? Um, we don't do that in our sadhaka deha in our practitioner's body. Rather, in our practitioner's body, we follow the way that gopis, for example, conduct themselves when they come to this world in the form of Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, our guru, and so forth. Because hmm? we don't find gopis had gurus or anything, so should we follow the gopis and not have a guru because we want to follow gopis? No. that We follow in our sadhaka deha like Rupa Goswami followed, Jiva Goswami, and so forth. They took shelter of Guru, and so on and so forth, and they performed all, engaged all in Vaidhi Bhakti. Hmm? Raghunuga Bhakti is about following Vaidhi Bhakti with a different orientation. Hmm? It's not about dispensing with Vaidhi Bhakti. That's the structure. The orientation is different, and the driving force is different. The driving force is, is a taste rather than, rather than faith in the efficacy of Bhakti and the fruits that will will come from that. Hmm? Um, that doesn't mean there isn't faith in Vaidhi Bhakti. There's a lot in, in Rag Bhakti. There's so much faith in, in Rag Bhakti. Faith and taste. Shadhamai, Loba. So, anyway, your question is, if I don't know what my Siddha Rupa is, my Siddha Deya, that I am this such and such gopi, and I live here, and this is my address, and this is my service and form and complexion, dress and so forth. How will I meditate on that then if I don't know it? And if I don't meditate on that in my practice, how will I attain it? Because what we practice is what we become. That is your question. Um, So, to answer that question, some people feel that you need to be told by your guru, you are such and such gopi, you are such and such gopi, this is your name, this is your dress, this is your complexion, this is your service, so on and so forth. Hmm? And and now you have to meditate on that. Hmm? And so they, they do that. And then their students come and they say to you, hey, did you get your siddha deha? No. Then... How can you practice? How can you become perfect? How can you attain the ideal? Hmm? You should leave your guru. And you should come to our guru. 
This is what goes on. This is not taught in Rupa Goswami's books, but you should do that. <laughs> he doesn't teach that. And Rupa Goswami does not say, and Jiva Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, none of the Goswami say anything about the Guru telling you, you're so-and-so, such and This is not found in any of their writings. Hmm? The idea of meditating on a Siddhadeya is found there. Hmm? Jiva Goswami dedicates several chapters of Bhakti Sandarbha to Raghunuga Bhakti. He never mentions that. Hmm, that practice. That is a practice that did come about um, at some point in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm. I think that Bhakti Vinod Thakur traces it to Gopal Guru Goswami, Dhyan Chandra Goswami, who were in Jagannath Puri. Hmm. Um, and it, it, it is a, a practice that is prominent in some sects of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, not all. Hmm. Um, However, um, it is also uh, prone to uh, to some abuse, hmm? and um, the idea is behind that that the guru will meditate and take down some and and get from Krishna. Hmm? I guess you could say how he wants to accept service from that devotee and in his form and shape, and then the guru will tell him and so forth. Hmm? But what has become a problem for quite some time now is that if you were to go to a guru who does that, hmm, in, in many instances, if you were to theoretically go there and get that form that it's supposed to be coming from Krishna through meditation in the guru as to how you're supposed to serve Krishna, it's your siddhadeya, your Swarup, it's yours, it's you. Hmm? The problem has become that if you were to do that and then you went to another guru, you would get a different one. <laughs> so, and then you go to another one, you'd get a different one. So that, that, that becomes questionable then, what's taking place there. Um, therefore, we gravitate towards the idea that what is given is more of some prototype. Hmm? Uh, and, and, and a model hmm? to think about and so forth and cultivate. And, uh, and, and some persons in those sects have admitted hmm, in discussion, yeah, that's it's, it's true, it's kind of like a prototype. They haven't thought about it, they hadn't thought about it like that originally. In my discussions, with them, some of my God brothers, for example. So, uh, but, but at any rate, um, that, that may be harmful, that may be useful. Hmm? Um, uh, but the guru has to determine the eligibility of the disciple for practice. Sadhana bhakti be- begins with taking shelter of the guru. There's a stage called bhajana kriya that comes before anartha nivritti when practice is anishta, unsteady. That is sadhana bhakti. Ruchi is also sadhana bhakti. Asakti is also sadhana bhakti. Do we think that that one who does ruchi sadhana bhakti will be doing the same thing that one who is doing bhajana kriya sadhana bhakti? Are, they, as, are those sadhanas exactly the same? Hmm? Or is there a progression where the disciples become more eligible 
and more able to, 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 to practice. After all, anishta means the practice is unsteady. Hmm? Ruchi means the practice is driven by taste. So, obviously, my point is that there are different levels of practice within sadhana, hmm? where one has greater capability to engage in all that Raghunuga sadhana constitutes. Hmm? If your practice is unsteady, well, it will be difficult to do lila smaranam. It will be difficult to do nam smaranam. If you cannot do nam smaranam, because so many other thoughts are coming, how effectively will you do Lila Smarnam? Nam is more gracious than Lila and Rupa and Guna. The Guna, the Rupa, the Lila of Krishna are all inside of his name, but it's the name is the form in which he's very generous, makes himself available. Hmm? We're encouraged to do Nam Smarnam by Jiva Goswami. And in the context of doing Nam Smarnam effectively, attentively, then Rupa Smarnam will arise. Hmm? Guna Smarnam, Lila Smarnam. What form, what guna, what lila? Hmm? This is the unfolding naturally through practice of your sarup. In other words, a certain form of Krishna, like we, we're hearing about Brahma, he's, 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 he, in his prayers, he describes Krishna as Sesh Kumar Lila. Hmm? He aspires to, have a, to, to attain that form of Krishna. That form has certain qualities that stand out. Hmm? In Sakyarasa, these are the these are this is the form. These are the qualities, and these are the leelas that he's becoming acquainted with. Another devotee become acquainted with a different, nuanced form of Krishna. Hmm? You understand? And different qualities in Madhura Rasa, for example, are highlighted, and different leelas. Hmm? So these are all in the name. Name is most generous form. So if you want to do smarnam, as recommended in Raghunuga Bhakti, you can do. Begin with Nam Smarnam. If you cannot do that effectively, how effectively will you do Leela Smarnam? Hmm? We, we know that the Leela is non-different from Krishna. We know that Krishna's form is non-different from him. We know that Krishna's qualities are different. We know that his name is non-different from him. But we also know that the name is also different from him, different from his form, qualities, and Leelas. In what way? It's more generous. That's why, once when I was speaking with uh, Pujapad Bhakti Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj about Raghunuga Bhakti and these kind of topics, at one point in the discussion he chuckled. He said, "Baba," he said, "You can tell him this: there's no possibility of attaining the ideal of Rag Bhakti without chanting offenselessly. So you should try that." It was like very like powerful, hmm? practical point. So it's easy for us to engage in an intellectual kind of uh, sleight of hand and 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 make our way intellectually at least into higher circles without actually uh, going there, and then we want to impose that upon others and intimidate them and so forth and uh, that you should be doing that and, 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 and so forth. That, that, that goes on uh, in the name of Siddha Pranali often. Hmm? That's unfortunate. Um, so, 
yes, nonetheless, theoretically, this answer is given by Vishwanath uh, Chakravarti Thakur in Raghavart Machandraka. He says, there are three ways in which that kind of information, if you will, mm-hmm. can be gathered. One, the guru can give it to the disciple. But in the, if I give it to you, in the way that most devotees are getting, I'm just giving information. Hmm? How accurate it is, well, that's, that's another thing. But some information. The information still needs to be realized, of course. He says, you can get it from your guru, or you could get it from a siksha guru, hmm? or it will come from practice. That which comes out of practice, of course, that will be more than information that will be realized. We could get information, arguably that might help our practice, but it depends on our eligibility. Um, how, how, um, how capable we are to do meditation. Kirtan, anybody can do. There's no qualification. But smarnam, meditation, requires some qualification. It requires a clean heart. That's why we can't concentrate, because we've got other things in our heart, other things on our mind. Hmm? When we clear them off, hmm, then we can effectively meditate. So the meditation that is part and central to Rag Bhakti is not applicable as a practice in the full sense of the term to everybody who has some little taste for the ideal of Braj Bhakti and therefore is qualified to tread the path in a beginning sense. In other words, if my orientation is, I want to attain love of Krishna like the gopis, then you, okay, then you practice Raghunuga Bhakti. But you practice according to your eligibility. And how will you practice? Rupa Goswami says, by doing Vaidhi Bhakti, hmm? with this idea in mind. And as your, the driving force for that practice develops into a taste and a liking and attraction, then proportionately or in proportion, one is, is endowed with the capacity to effectively meditate. And this Siddhadeya is a meditative body. Hmm? It's a meditative body. It's a subjective body. Hmm? So it can arise out of practice, hmm? and it will ultimately arise in the full sense, in the re- realized sense of, of the term, out of practice only. Perhaps by getting some information in some lineages that will help your practice. My personal experience is I've seen that, it, that, that in some instances it hasn't helped the practice. Hmm? It's something seen as often novel, exciting, new. I got the real thing now. It lasts for a little while. And then they're back into posting politics on Facebook. Hmm? Something like that, just like you, or <laughs> not you, just like others. <laughs> it, 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 I haven't seen that it really changes the, the course of most people's lives substantially. Uh, it's often given prematurely, and 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 you know there may be a tradition that had in which that had more power. Disciples were more qualified. Hmm? Maybe gurus more more qualified. Time goes on; they carry on the tradition. And it may have less power, hmm? and weaker disciples may come. It may not be as effective. 
those are the times when in your lineage you, you need people who kind of want to think about how to rethink the, the lineage and do things differently, perhaps, to bring about the desired result and so forth. But a lot of times these lineages just kind of carry on and do as it's always been done and so forth, and 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 they don't think about renovating the teaching. And, and this is something that Bhaktisiddhanta was concerned with. And we are the practical fruits of that. So it's very difficult to argue with, with that. With people, for example, who would not be participating in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, were it not for Bhakti Vinod, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur, um, my Guru Maharaj, Om Vishnu Bhadaisi Bhakti Vinanta Sami Prabhupada, they wouldn't be participating. They wouldn't have had a developed initial faith. And they have faith in Rag Bhakti. That's a fact. They heard from Prabhupada or indirectly through Prabhupada's work and so forth in our particular Parivar, Bhakti Vinod Parivar, about Bhakti, and that's how they got involved. Hmm? And and how that what they got involved in they really got involved in Raghunuga Bhakti, and I can prove it to you too. If if you if I was to sit and talk to you about what Vaikuntha is like, none of you would want to go there. Hmm. You'd think what it's like that. You do like that. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you mean you because 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 there's all kinds of people in Vaikuntha. Hmm. Some they just meditate. Some people are there because of the perks. Hmm? They're preoccupied with, I want Salokya, I want Sayuja, I want, do you, you want a form like Narayan, forearm form? Not really. It wasn't like something I was really like thinking would be, you know, no. <laughs> That's not really what it's like. But some people think, yes, I want that. Hmm? I want Aishwarya like, 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 like Bhagwan. They want that. Then, they, then that desire drives their bhakti, and they get it. And we think, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like what well, we were taught. It's not, because you were taught about Raghunuga bhakti, actually, and you didn't even know it, and you didn't even use the words. Hmm? Often, probably, because he's a rag bhakti. Hmm? Because he has that idea. Kotavani chuti chuti, chuti bani kailutaputi seedin kovehavimor. This is his aspiration. He thinks like this, like Brahma. I want that. Hmm? I want to roll in the forest, cowherd leelas with Krishna. He's praying like this. Hmm? Just hear the words you can understand. That is Sakiras. Chutta chutti. Lutta puti. <laughs> so this is his, he stated himself this is his aspiration and he now he has some preaching work to do and and he wants to fulfill the ambition of his guru in that regard and enter into this ideal and so this is the driving force this is the hub around which his existence Prabhupada speaking of is moving and so it comes off to the people without even speaking directly. I mean, he didn't teach about Raghunuga Bhakti, really, per se, in, the, in any detailed way and so forth. Therefore, if I teach about it, people go, really, it's like that, interesting. Oh, I didn't know that. It works like this, and, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But then, you, if you study them, you see, but actually, this is what they want. This, this is what their ideal is. 
without even realizing it. They have, they have imbibed a certain understanding of what Krishna consciousness is. And, and in a, in a, there may be misunderstandings and some, some confusion on some of them, but most of them, in a generic and general sense, they actually want ananya bhakti. Hmm? Ananya bhakti of, of the Brajalila, that's what they want. If you really sort it out, and I've done, it. I've talked with some some of the devotees about Bhakti, and they they, they they I can see in their faces that's weird. I don't want that. Even the devotees in Bhakti, some are they they want mukti. Their their desire is predominated by prem. Predominated by prem means their love is predominated by prem, but they still want the perks too. They're attracted to that. Those ideas. Four kinds of liberation, and you talk to most devotees, uh, Iskon devotees, or disciples of Prabhupada, or Grant, they're not interested in those things. Hmm? So it's just an example. So that association—that's what we want. Hmm? You get that connection, then you, your position is secure. You don't have to worry. Hmm? You can learn some things. That's good. In due course of time, you practice as taught, and these things will come in your heart. And, and Vishnu Chakravarti has confirmed that in his Ragmar Radbar. Ragbhart Machandrika. There's a nice story in the, in, the, in 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 relation to um, I think it may be um, Jagannath Das Babaji, where some disciples were initiated by Jagannath Das Babaji, and then afterwards some others asked, "Oh, you got initiated? Oh, you're very fortunate." And did he tell you your you know, your swarup and all these things. He didn't give us that. He didn't do that. He told us to worship Tulsi and follow Ekadasi and chant Krishna Nam. And they said, oh, it's a problem. He didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't. And then they went to Bhaktivinoda hmm, and presented that we, we got initiated, but we, was a, we were told this is a problem. And of course, Bhaktivinoda said, oh, he's given you very good instruction. This is perfect instruction. You just do that, everything will come, something, something like that. So this is emphasis on practice, <laughs> simple practice, sincere practice, and so forth. Now, some, you know, as you progress, then some, you, uh, now the time is such, you need to have some knowledge because people get some half-baked knowledge over here, they come and challenge you, and then you, you, your, your faith is a little weak, you don't have the knowledge, you think, I don't I guess I'm not doing Raghunuga Bhakti. I guess it's a problem, and so forth. So... Now we have to talk about. It. We have to explain all these things and in, in greater detail and, and and so on and so forth. But in one sense, Prabhupada had a pristine environment. People, no, no, not much background, so forth. They just come and chant and be happy, and we were very happy. <laughs> then so many problems came. <laughs> um, in, in, his, in his in his absence and so forth. So. Uh, in, his, in his presence, he suspended our intellect. We didn't need very thoughtful ideas. And people thought we were look crazy, and we were, of course, but we were very happy in the service. But uh, yeah, so that's the idea. Does it help? Yes. Yeah. And this is very clearly, clearly the teachings. It's supported by Goswamis, by Vishnuchakritakur, by no one can argue with this. Hmm? And the principle practice of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we see it in the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? What did he do? When, where, did he sit? He got initiated by Ishwar Puri, right? What did he do? He chanted his mantra. Hmm? 
and it was very efficacious. No. And he brought the symptoms back of the results of his chanting and checked with Ishwar Puri. He said, very good. You're doing very good. Hmm? Ishwar Puri didn't give many instructions about Ragmarg or anything like that. Hmm? Later, of course, he met Ramananda Roy. Hmm? Later. Then he got some instructions on that. And, and years after that, he's shown to be putting that into practice in his Antilila. So, first part, he did Nam Sankirtan widely. He preached. Preaching requires some, you had to use your intelligence and so forth. And, and, uh, and he did Kirtan and, and all circulated widely. And then in the end, he settled down. Then he was set an example of how to dedicate time to that. So, there are different stages for sadhana bhakti. Yes, Raghunuga bhakti is a sadhana. Hmm? But the sadhana in Ruchi and sadhana in Bhajana Kriya stage, there'll be some difference. That's the idea. Okay. So, nice to chat with you. Some good questions. I appreciate it. And uh, hope we have a Murdunga in the morning. <laughs> so we can practice better. Sri Hari Kirtan ki jai. Sri Bhakti Devi ki jai. Bhakti Vinod Paribar ki jai. Oh, Bhakti Vrindu Ki Jai. Oh, Premanandu.